Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well, the president's speech was absolutely fantastic. I think he hit all the right chords. I really do. And I'm going to tell you something. This will get the left very, very upset and excited. Donald Trump has turned out to be the most consequential president, one of the most consequential presidents in modern times. There's simply no question about it. Donald Trump has turned out to be one of the most consequential presidents in modern times. And by being so, the media have destroyed themselves and the Democrat Party has destroyed itself. What do they stand for? Before I get into all that, I want to get into this issue of the Constitution and libertarianism. You know, uh, Ben Shapiro's Sunday show, some time ago, he asked me a question. It was a very good question, and I'll paraphrase it. Mark, the Constitution, your interpretation, what kind of approach do you take, a libertarian approach or some other approach? I believe that was the question in substance. And my answer, again paraphrasing, and I'll give it now, you don't interpret the Constitution ideologically. You interpret the Constitution. You attempt to discern what the framers meant, what the language meant at the time. You don't bring a libertarian approach, nationalist (laughs) approach, Marxist approach, populist approach. We're constitutionalists. The Constitution is the Constitution. And this is the problem Rand Paul and, in some respects, my friend Mike Lee have. They are ideologically driven in their interpretation of the Constitution. And they're very self-righteous about it. Again, I agree with them a lot of the times. But when it comes to the Commander-in-Chief and Declaration of War, they seem to think only Congress has power. That a president can't even operate in the middle of a battle, on a battlefield. Now I want to tell you a little story about our first president, George Washington, who sat in the big chair during the Constitutional Convention, all of it, who supported the Constitution, who became the first president. As pointed out... (laughs) By history.org. 
When Washington was sworn in as president, he had already established military subordination to civilian authority. And during his presidency, he conducted himself accordingly as commander-in-chief. Three times, from 1791 through 1794, he ordered troops to campaign against hostile native forces north of the Ohio River, that is, Indians. He offered general plans about how the armies would proceed, selected a site near present-day Fort Wayne, Indiana, as a primary garrison, and appointed the commanding officers. In addition to fighting the Miami and Wabash Indians, these campaigns asserted United States sovereignty over the Ohio Territory in the face of British military posts in the vicinity, maintained in violation of the treaty that ended the revolution. All this military activity was accomplished without declarations of war from the Congress. The commander-in-chief had many things on his mind in 1794. Farmers and distillers in western Pennsylvania not only refused to pay a new excise tax on spirits, but they tarred and feathered federal agents. They tarred and federal and, and feathered federal tax collectors, began organizing troops to resist the government's authority. Using his constitutional authority under Article 2 to call out the militia, President Washington assembled a force of more than 12,000, without congressional approval, to march on the Whiskey Rebellion insurrections. He donned his old uniform and went into the field. Quote, I have visited the places of General Rendezvous, he reported to Congress, to obtain more exact information and direct a plan for ulterior movements. But there was no declaration of war. He reviewed the forces, and with every appearance, assuring such an issue as will redound to the reputation and strength of the United States, he said, I have judged it most proper to resume my duties at the seat of government. And Washington left his friend, trusted friend, the governor of Virginia, Light Horse Harry Lee, in command, and the rebellion was quelled within weeks. It's the first time, the only time, a sitting president led troops in the field. And he led them against his fellow Americans. This issue is a little bit more complicated than Rand Paul and my friend Mike Lee would have you believe. They'll quote Alexander Hamilton in the Federalist Papers. Look, I'm a fan of Alexander Hamilton, but there were a lot of disagreements between Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson and and many others. And so the Federalist Papers give us a good view of the arguments that were made to the state conventions to adopt the Constitution. But the Constitution itself is the final word. Now, Rand Paul and my friend Mike Lee and others believe that the president should not be taking any action without congressional involvement. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, what has the House Intelligence Committee been doing? Has the House Intelligence Committee shown any interest in intelligence? In Iran, in China, in Russia, in North Korea for the last year? What about the Senate Intelligence Committee? Still hasn't even issued its 
its report on Russia collusion. Moreover, Congress was in recess for two or three weeks. Iran didn't sit back. The terrorists don't sit back and say, hey, you know what, we'll wait till Congress is back so the president has time to consult with them. What Rand Paul and my friend Mike Lee don't explain is what it means to be a commander-in-chief. It's not simply a ministerial task where you have a civilian in charge of the military, although that's important. A commander-in-chief makes decisions as a commander-in-chief. Real-time, battlefield decisions. Can you imagine? Can you imagine in World War II these major battles that resulted in tens of thousands of casualties every single battle? Franklin Roosevelt going back to Congress while the Nazis are on the move, while Tojo's on the move, while the fascists in Italy are on the move? Is that rational? You think that's what the framers of the Constitution who had just fought a revolution, you think that's what they had in mind? Well, why did they create a commander-in-chief? Why did they put the military under the commander-in-chief and not under the legislative branch? Because a rational person would conclude there's a difference between all-out war and a declaration of war and various battlefield activity or battles or attacks or incidents. As a practical matter, when you read the Constitution, you've got to look at the language, what did the framers mean, and apply common sense, not radical libertarian ideology. Nobody ever asks these men about a battlefield situation and how this would work. The fact of the matter is, in its best days, Congress can barely function. I would say to Rand Paul and my friend Mike Lee, you can't even oversee the bureaucracy in the federal government. You can't even get taxes under control. You can't even get the border under control. You can't get yourselves under control. Nobody's stopping oversight. Nobody's stopping debates. That's all they do is talk. You want to debate Iran? Go ahead and debate Iran. You want to have hearings on Iran? Go ahead and have hearings on Iran. I would love to know how many hearings there have been on Iran and Hezbollah and Soleimani and his activities in the last 12 months by all the relevant committees of Congress. I'd love to know. I'd love to know how many times Rand Paul and my friend Mike Lee have brought it out, uh, brought it up outside the context of we need to negotiate with the enemy. President Trump has been actually very, very suspect in the use of his commander-in-chief powers. He's suspect of war. That's his nature. That's his belief system. But he is not going to embrace the Bernie Sanders ideology or the Mike Lee, uh, excuse me, or the uh, Rand Paul ideology or the Barack Obama ideology. He's not going to adopt their doctrine, their doctrine of America last. He's not going to do it. 
And when an embassy is attacked, if United States senators, whether they be radical libertarians or radical leftists or whatever you call them, are not going to get behind the commander-in-chief and pretend that Alexander Hamilton would not have a problem with it. Which is a lie. A lie. Then you have to say, thank God they're in the Senate and they're not President of the United States. I pointed to Washington. I could point to Jefferson. All the earliest presidents I could point to. Federalist papers are crucially important. Keep in mind, Hamilton wasn't there throughout the Constitutional Convention. That's okay. Jefferson wasn't there at all. He was in France. That's okay. But Washington was. And so were the others. They did not make the Speaker of the House the Commander-in-Chief. They did not make the Gang of Eight the Commanders-in-Chief jointly. And it is the job of the Commander-in-Chief to protect this nation, to protect our embassies, and to protect the military. Now, if Rand Paul and Mike Lee and Bernie Sanders and Nancy Pelosi can husband the votes to withdraw from Iran, then do it. Excuse me, withdraw from Iraq and the Middle East, then do it. It happened at the end of the Vietnam War. They did it then. If you can do it, do it. If you can cut off all money to this to our military operations, our diplomatic operations in the area, go ahead and do it. Nobody's stopping you. But the point is they can't. They don't have the votes. So they want to point to a president that has a doctrine that's nothing like the Bush or Obama doctrines, who does not enjoy exercising military power, but will if necessary. They want to point to him as violating the Constitution? Really? Rand Paul and my friend Mike Lee. The Constitution is not a libertarian document. It is what it is. And if you're a real constitutionalist, you interpret what it says based on what was intended back then. You don't overlay a radical libertarian approach to it. The framers were just as concerned about a rogue, tyrannical Congress as they were a rogue, tyrannical presidency or judiciary. Declare war? Think about this as a practical matter. If we declare war on Iran, we have no options then, do we? It's all out war. We send our B-52 and stealth bombers over there and plaster the place That's what the radical libertarians would cause. Either that, or a complete withdrawal from the area. Because any American soldier with a foot in that territory could be viewed as a provocation. This is the problem with the ideologues. I am a conservative because I believe in our founding principles. I'm not a libertarian. I'm not a Marxist, even though I have libertarian views when it comes to the economy and so forth. But when you interpret the Constitution, you don't take sides. It is what it is. If you're trying to have integrity in interpreting it. The president did is absolutely fine as a matter of constitutional law, statutory law, and our tradition. Period. I'll be right back. (laughs) 
As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more... Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. How about Thomas Jefferson? I think Rand Paul and my friend Mike Lee would consider him quite the libertarian. Of course, he was the author, the primary author of the Declaration of Independence. As pointed out by the Britannica, the first Barbary War... 1801 to 05, between the United States and Tripoli, now Libya, is incited by American refusal to continue payment of tribute to the pirates who ruled North African Barbary states of Algiers, Tunis, Morocco, and Tripoli. Now, this practice had been customary among European nations in the nascent United States in exchange for immunity from attack on merchant vessels in the Mediterranean, and John Adams put up with it. A demand from the Pasha of Tripoli for greater tribute and his dramatic declaration of war on the United States coincided with a decision by U.S. President Thomas Jefferson's administration to demonstrate American resolve. And despite his opposition to the expense of maintaining a Navy, Jefferson dispatched an American naval squadron to Tripoli and to the waters outside of Tripoli. By means of a special Mediterranean fund, the Navy, which had been partially dismantled and was perhaps nearing extinction, actually increased in size. So we went to war. And we defeated them. Combination of strong American naval blockade and overland expedition from Egypt finally brought the war to a close, a treaty of peace. There was no declaration of war. So that's Washington and that's Jefferson. I'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arne, the president of Hillsdale College. It's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. 
Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811. Constitution doesn't provide magic words for declaring war either. In other words, you don't have the formal declaration of war. You had the authorization joint resolution of Congress twice uh, for President Bush to go to war with Iraq. That's just as legitimate as calling something a declaration of war when both houses of Congress authorize it. But you notice, it was an all-out war against Iraq. And I'm going to go through a list of the official declarations of war by Congress through our history. There aren't many, and most of them occurred during World War II. Declaration of War with Great Britain in 1812... James Madison signed the legislation. The first time the United States declared war on another nation. Declaration of war with Mexico, 1846. Declaration of war with Spain, 1898. Then there was World War I. Declaration of war with Germany. Declaration of war with Austria-Hungary, 1917. Then there was World War II. Declaration of War with Japan, 1941, after they attacked us. Declaration of War with Germany, 1941, after they declared war against us. Declaration of War with Italy, 1941. Declaration of War with Bulgaria, 1942. Declaration of War with Hungary, 1942. Declaration of War with Romania, 1942. In every case, these were all out wars. Battle to the death. And again, I would include the joint resolutions that were passed with Iraq, where we sent 400,000 troops. If you were to say to me, Mark, the Korean War and the Vietnam War should have required declarations of war, I'd say you're correct. I'd say you're absolutely correct. With the movement of that kind of military personnel and over a course of years those are wars by every definition <clears throat> and Truman should have gone to Congress for a declaration of war and Kennedy and Johnson should have gone to Congress for a declaration of war But this really is different in form, in substance, and in every way from what the president did in Iran. So now you can see the difference. Defending an American embassy, defending American personnel, defending our allies, not sending a conquering army or an army to engage another army in the the full sense of that notion, 
does not require a declaration of war. It never has. So I and those of you who agree with me, we are consistent with American history. Both, in my view, the intent of the framers and the fact of our history. Whether Washington, whether Jefferson, and I can go back to others. The idea that you need a declaration of war to protect our bases in Iraq from Iran, to protect our embassy in Iraq from Iran, that you need a declaration of war, is absurd. And again, as I suggested earlier, that would mean that we do need to send a quarter of a million troops over there in order to defeat Iran. But that's not what this president is doing. He's not Obama, and he's not Bush. He's Trump. So the libertarian ideologues who insist on interpreting the Constitution based on their political ideology are no better in that regard than the Marxist ideologues who insist on doing the same. You're not being faithful to the Constitution, in my view, when you do that. Again, in many respects, I'm a libertarian when it comes to economic matters and so forth and so on, live and let live. But we're talking about constitutional interpretation now, right, Mr. Producer? I'm not talking about whether somebody should be able to smoke pot or not. I'm talking about what does the Constitution say on matters of war and peace? Who has what authority? How does that apply in the battlefield? And Bernie Sanders and the Code Pink Republicans are in many respects of the same mind. I come to the same outcome. And when it comes to national security and our military, they're enormously dangerous. Because this is what will provoke all-out war. In other words, all-out war or get out? Get out. That's the Obama ideology. Interventionism, state-building. That's the Bush ideology. That's not the Trump doctrine. And as I said, I supported the Iraq war. Proudly so. The vast majority of you did, if you're honest with yourselves. The vast majority of commentators did. The overwhelming majority of Congress did. They voted for that resolution twice. But you have to learn from these things as well. And what do we learn? There are certain countries, certain societies, quite frankly, certain practitioners of certain faiths that are not amenable to democracy. And so in the future, we shouldn't, we shouldn't bleed American blood to project it or impose it. As I said the other day, the Marshall Plan was brilliant. We imposed a constitution on Japan that is held up to this day. Same with West Germany, now all of Germany. We built up those countries. We imposed a government and a constitution. And it has served us brilliantly since World War II, quite frankly. But that's not the case in some of these third world areas. It's just not. Doesn't mean we don't help people who are facing genocidal, you know, conditions. 
means you have to be, as I say, prudential, not ideological. Prudential, not ideological. I have an entire chapter on this in Liberty and Tyranny, and I was attacked by the libertarians. I was attacked by the code pink Republicans. Of course I would be. Because they're really in the Bernie Sanders category. It's, it's sickening. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. So I just wanted to point some of these things out. And, you know, particularly in the nuclear age, the idea that a president in virtually every instance has to go to Congress to get approval is really a scary idea. When war can happen immediately and things can happen immediately. And, of course, we know that Democrats, at least, at least Rand Paul and my friend Mike Lee are consistent. They are earnest about what they believe. The Democrats are not. If Barack Obama did what Donald Trump had done, He'd be getting the Nobel Peace Prize a second time. They'd have ticker tape parades for him. And all the same Democrats, in and out of the media, would be celebrating Barack Obama as a genius. We know this to be the case. And the media last night was in full hate America mode. Ali Arazi. Who the hell is that, Mr. Producer? Did I pronounce that correctly? Ali Arazi, a contributor to MSNBC. Must be a genius, because how else would he be a contributor to MSNBC? He cites Iran media that 30 U.S. service members were killed in strikes. I believe he is a so-called reporter in Tehran. Now, no offense, but if you're going to be reporting from Tehran or the Gaza Strip, you're reporting there because these police states... These genocidal maniacs are allowing you to report there, which means they're not all upset about your reportage. Cut five, go. This is uh, um, this bit I'm, I'm not sure about, but the Iran state media is claiming that 30 U.S. soldiers have been killed in this attack. And now, this is not confirmed. This is just Well, if it's not from- confirmed, why are you reporting it? If it's coming from Iranian state media, why are you reporting it? Why are you a mouthpiece for the enemy? Go ahead. Ayman Mayeldin. Who the hell is that? He's a host on MSLSD. I don't know who it is. I can't pronounce it. Not on purpose. I apologize, but it is what it is. Ayman Mayeldin. Before Trump spoke today, cut six, go. I was speaking to a colleague of mine who actually uh, was around at the time of the Iranian hostage crisis back uh, in 79 and in 1980. And he was saying that it's unimaginable to think that in this day and age, it would be the Iranians who are signaling that they want to de-escalate, that they are being rational, that they have in the tweet of the Iranian foreign minister from last night saying, we do not seek war, we do not seek confrontation, but we will defend ourselves. And it is the president of the United States that everybody's watching to see whether or not there's going to be unpredictability, uh, whether or not there's going to be any kind of irrationality in the way he goes forward with this attack. And so it's a very telling signal of how the times have changed. No, it's not a telling signal, except about how our media and the left has changed. The hate America first crowd populates newsrooms all over this country. So the Iranians are rational, ladies and gentlemen. How come 
Amin Malyaldin hasn't explained to his audience of seven what the Iranians have done. You know, the hypocrisy and the sick irony of watching these House Intelligence Committee hearings with these left-wing foreign uh, affairs uh, diplomats come through because they hate Trump, and they're wringing their hands, the Democrats, on how important these people are and how wonderful they are to our country and how dangerous the situation is. And then, when they're under attack at the American embassy in Iraq, it's like, oh well, what's the justification exactly for killing the head Islamo-Nazi in the world? So the president spoke, and he spoke beautifully. When we come back, we'll hear some of what he had to say, and then we'll hear some of the media's reaction. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The uh, House, as I speak, in the House uh, Rules Committee, is pushing a bill, a resolution, I should say, on the War Powers Resolution that would forbid the U.S. military engagement with Iran without specific congressional blessing that would have actually barred the president from striking Soleimani. The text of the War Powers Resolution the House is prepping for a debate on the floor tomorrow requires the president to consult with Congress, quote, in every possible instance, unquote, before introducing United States armed forces into hostilities. It also appears to handcuff the president when it comes to future strikes. It says, quote, Congress has not authorized the president to use military force against Iran, unquote. The measure also, quote, directs the president to terminate the use of United States armed forces to engage in hostilities, I'm quoting, or in or against Iran or any part of its government or military, unquote, unless there's a specific blessing by Congress. So this would have forbidden the president from striking Soleimani. I want you to think about this. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? It's time for a part-time Congress. Term limits, a part-time Congress. We've now seen what a small, temporary majority in the House of Representatives can do to our country. Trying to destroy the commander-in-chief through impeachment, 
through legislation, through subpoenas, through resolutions, through propaganda. I've said before, and I've been attacked for this, but I don't much give a damn. The greatest enemy we, threat, uh, we face today, the greatest threat we face today, is not China, although that is a big threat, or any of these other countries. It's the Democrat Party and the American media. They're doing more to destroy our country, our constitution, our electoral process, and this president than anything any of these other countries could ever do. They're using the Constitution to destroy the Constitution. They're using liberty to destroy liberty. They're using Congress to destroy Congress. For them, everything is about power and party. There's not a patriot among any of the leadership of the Democrat Party. I don't care whether they've served in the military or not. As politicians, they are what they are. And for me to watch somebody like Chuck Schumer, look, I'm just going to be absolutely 100% honest with you. An individual who has spent his entire life in politics, right out of law school, gets elected to the New York Assembly, then gets elected to the U.S. House, then gets elected to the Senate. A man who supported Barack Obama and the Democrat Party, who did nothing, didn't lift a finger to stop the Iraq deal. A man who is now in the position of defending the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. He's a Jewish American. Trying to take out a president who's been the closest friend of the Jews in Israel, of any man to ever occupy the Oval Office. To watch this guy makes me sick to my stomach. That's right, I said it. Makes me sick to my stomach. What they're doing to this country, they're destroying it. It's like our economy. They want to destroy it with the Green New Deal and climate change. More on that when I return. I've got to watch Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Every anti-Semite is endorsing Bernie Sanders. Why? Because he stands with the Palestinian terrorists. He stands for a two-state solution, the final solution. Say it or not, he stands with the enemy in Iran against the President of the United States. That's what we're up against, America. These are the facts, period. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Let me tell you why it's important to listen to this program. Seriously. It's kind of like a Star Trek. We go where others won't go, Mr. Producer. 
And so I've developed the argument for the Trump doctrine. And that there are parallels to the Reagan doctrine. You are here, my loyal audience. You've also seen it in Conservative Review and other places. Right scoop. It's very much like the Reagan doctrine with its own, its own uh, aspects to it. And I've pointed this out. It's been all over Fox today. Peace through strength. Some of the big hosts on Fox last night used it. Fellow from the Wall Street Journal this morning on Fox, he used it. I don't expect attribution. It, that's not the name of the game around here. It just doesn't work that way. But the president is, in fact, aware of it. Because he really does have a doctrine. It's not ideologically driven. It's rationally driven. And we've talked about it at some length now during the course of the week. And so let's listen to some of what the president had to say and what was a fabulous statement today, I thought. Cut one, go. As long as I'm president of the United States, Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. Good morning. I'm pleased to inform you the American people should be extremely grateful and happy. No Americans were harmed in last night's attack by the Iranian regime. We suffered no casualties. All of our soldiers are safe, and only minimal damage was sustained at our military bases. Our great American forces are prepared for anything. Iran appears to be standing down which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. No American or Iraqi lives were lost because of the precautions taken, the dispersal of forces, and an early warning system that worked very well. I salute the incredible skill and courage of America's men and women in uniform for far too long, all the way back To 1979, to be exact, nations have tolerated Iran's destructive and destabilizing behavior in the Middle East and beyond. Those days are over. Iran has been the leading sponsor of terrorism, and their pursuit of nuclear weapons threatens the civilized world. We will never let that happen. Now... That's peace through strength. Trump style. And I don't want to degrade the president in any way by saying he's just like X, Y, Z. What I'm trying to do is explain what I feel is the doctrine. And it's a very rational, commonsensical doctrine. Which I think the president is promoting and embracing. Cut two, go. Soleimani's hands were drenched in both American and Iranian blood. He should have been terminated long ago. By removing Soleimani, we have sent a powerful message to terrorists. If you value your own life, you will not threaten the lives of our people. As we continue to evaluate options in response to Iranian aggression, the United States 
will immediately impose additional punishing economic sanctions on the Iranian regime. These powerful sanctions will remain until Iran changes its behavior. In recent months alone, Iran has seized ships in international waters, fired an unprovoked strike on Saudi Arabia, and shot down two U.S. drones. And then, cut three. Iran's hostility substantially increased after the foolish Iran nuclear deal was signed in 2013. And they were given $150 billion, not to mention $1.8 billion in cash. Instead of saying thank you to the United States, they chanted death to America. In fact, they chanted death to America the day the agreement was signed. Then Iran went on a terror spree, funded by the money from the deal, and created hell in Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, Afghanistan, and Iraq. The missiles fired last night at us and our allies were paid for with the funds made available by the last administration. Now, let's stop briefly there. So people said, that's not true. You have all these Obama mobsters and hacks all over Obama newsrooms. That's not true. They can't prove that. Ladies and gentlemen, the money is fungible. $150 billion to Iraq, excuse me, Iran. They're not using it on infrastructure. They're not using it to feed their people. They're not using it for good. They're using it for the military state that it is. That's what they're doing. And yet the apologists and the appeasers, and quite frankly the supporters for this regime and our media and in the Democrat Party, just keep at it. And Susan Rice, among others, has said, well, it was their money to begin with. It was their money to begin with. The reason that money was withheld by past administrations is because it's a terrorist regime. And that's what you do with terrorist regimes. You deal with them at all levels, including economic and financial. Oh, anyway, go ahead. The regime also greatly tightened the reins on their own country, even recently killing 1,500 people at the many protests that are taking place all throughout Iran. And how many people at CNN and MSNBC and in the New York Times and the Washington Post and the rest of them have spent any amount of time talking about those 1,500 brave souls who were tortured, raped, and slaughtered? None of them. None of them. The victims of this regime get no attention. None. Who are those people? Chuck Todd. Who are those people, Jake Tapper? Who are those people, George Stephanopoulos? They don't care. Who cares? How about Nancy Pelosi? She cares about the little guy. Nope. She cares about Muslims. Nope. How about Omar and Talib? Don't they care about these people? Nope. No, they don't. Imagine that. Go ahead. The very defective JCPOA expires shortly anyway and gives Iran a clear and quick path to nuclear breakout. Iran must abandon its nuclear ambitions and end its support for terrorism. 
The time has come for the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Russia, and China to recognize this reality. They must now break away from the remnants of the Iran deal, or JCPOA. And we must all work together toward making a deal with Iran that makes the world a safer and more peaceful place. Now, let's stop there. Let me explain the message the president is sending there to the members of the U.N. Security Council. That's who those are. The so-called Iran deal, and notice all the concerns about the Constitution by Pelosi and the War Powers Act, which may well be unconstitutional. Notice no concern that the Iran deal is not a treaty, because it would never have passed. That's okay by them. The reason the president mentions here the members of the Security Council, starting with Britain, is because we pulled out from the deal. Any member of the Security Council can trigger what's called a snapback provision, which forces all countries, including the countries on the UN Security Council, from stopping to do any sort of economic business with that regime. Since we pulled out of the deal, there's a serious legal question on whether we have the authority to do that. If we're not in the deal, it gets a little bit more complicated on whether or not we can trigger that under the deal. Now, there are arguments on both sides. The point is, it's not so simple. So what the president's saying there is, hey, Britain and Germany and France, of course, Russia and China, you're on the council too. You should be snapping back. And put the final nail in the regime's economic coffin. That's what he means by that. Did anybody else in radio today or TV tell you that? No, because they don't read the law. Go ahead. Finally, to the people and leaders of Iran, we want you to have a future, and a great future, one that you deserve. One of prosperity at home and harmony with the nations of the world. The United States is ready to embrace peace with all who seek it. Now, I want you to listen after this magnificent speech, and it was terrific. Terrific. And the president won this battle. The president, the United States military, America won. Now, that's a long battle. It's a long fight, fight because this is an enemy that persists. But he won this round, hands down. And the media, for the last four or five days, have been telling us we're going to have World War III. There's no strategy. Uh, Trump has, uh, has unleashed a, a hornet's nest. On and on and on. Giving aid and comfort to the, to the Islamo-Nazi regime. Giving aid and comfort to our enemies all over the world. The media and the Democrat Party. What did Chuck Todd say right after the president gave that speech? Hat tip newsbusters. Cut seven, go. I think it is notable at how, how ham-handedly the president tried to politicize this by, by 
by blaming the previous administration for financing. I, I, you know, we're glossing over that. The sitting president of the United States accusing essentially the previous president of helping to finance uh, Iranian weapons is 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 quite remarkable that he's willing to push the envelope like that with with the with the office with this office. I mean, I guess at this point we shouldn't be surprised that he does these things anymore. It's still a remarkable thing that he actually. You did. know, you really are a piece of crap. You really are a very, very frustratingly stupid mouthpiece on national media. You truly are, Chuck Todd. You're a disgrace. In the days when the media policed itself, only a few days, of course, you would have been kicked to the curb as a fraud. If you want to be a mouthpiece for the DNC, if you want to be a mouthpiece for Nation magazine, If you want to be a mouthpiece for Bernie Sanders or all the rest of them, then get your ass out of NBC and do it. At least have some integrity. You have none. Zero. No integrity at all. You've given aid and comfort to the enemy, whether the enemy is Russia or whether the enemy is Iran. You've been a disgrace year after year since this president was elected. You know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly who you are and what you think. You're the one who is abusing authority. You're the one who is destroying a free press. You're the one who is pushing an agenda. Camouflaged as journalism. You're pathetic. Why don't you drag your ass over to Iran... And do some on-the-ground reporting, Mr. Investigative Journalist. Why don't you give it a shot? Rather than sitting in your, in your heated, comfortable offices in Washington, D.C. and spouting off your Iranian propaganda. Or your Russian propaganda. Or your left-wing propaganda. Complete jackass. And he's not alone. What a disgrace. The last few days, incredible what these people have said and done. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Jim Acosta, the drama queen of uh, 
Democrat Party media on CNN last night. Hat tip newsbusters. Cut eight, go. Uh, but that this is a president who is impulsive and doesn't think through the implications of his actions. Now, how does he know this? It's absolutely false. He's not there where decision-making is taking place. This, again, is, is a disgusting slander against the president of the United States. But the enemy's watching. The enemy loves Jim Acosta. The enemy, the Democrats, the media, all have the same interest. Replacing Trump with a Democrat. All have the same interest. Go ahead. That may work okay for the president when he is looking for a short-term political fix on the border. He's not uh, looking for a short-term political fix eh, on the border. He's been fighting the border issue eh, for years. Go ahead. It comes to brinkmanship with China on trade and so on. So listen to this guy. Trashes the president on his efforts on the border. Trashes this president on his efforts with China. Trashes the president on his efforts with Iran. It's not a reporter. He's a third-rate Hollywood drama queen. Go ahead. This is a very different situation. I mean, people are saying tonight, well, maybe the Iranians intentionally meant to, you know, hit away from these soldiers. My goodness, what if the Iranians uh, had, had not done that and actually taken out a lot of U.S. troops tonight. This could have been a, a massive... Yeah, exactly. The president should not be defending our embassies. The president should not take out this Islamo-Nazi. No, 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 no. Jim Acosta, of course, is right. Isn't he, ladies and gentlemen? This is a reporter, by the way. Go ahead. Go ahead. Of proportions that we just can't fully appreciate, and so this was this was a dangerous night at the casino for President Trump. This is this is a sickening farce that is CNN. This is why CNN truly has no ratings, no ratings at all. They would never talk about Obama this way. They would never talk about Bernie Sanders this way. Really appalling, and I'm telling you, the American people are noticing. You don't watch CNN, most of you, but now you know what Jim Acosta has said. You don't watch Chuck Todd, most of you, but now you know what Chuck Todd has said. This is why I play it. So you know what's going on. Talk about alternative facts. The modern-day media, the Democrat Party media, are all about alternative facts. Alternate facts. Creating their own reality, which is an unreality. As I've written and we've discussed at great length now in Unfreedom of the Press, pseudo-events, the president is right, fake news. I'll be right back. Tell me, folks, why do the media, even friendly media, invite Rand Paul Mike Lee on their programs only when it comes to national security when they disagree with the President of the United States. How come they never have these men on the air when they talk about judges? How come they never have these men on the air when they talk about spending and budgets and taxes? You notice that too, Mr. Producer? They only bring them on TV when they're at odds with the President of the United States. Otherwise, they get almost no television time. Now, as for this briefing for these senators, 
my friend Mike Lee says really was insulting. But other senators thought it was actually quite thorough and substantive. Paul Bedard, a great reporter, Washington Examiner, he tweets, GOP Senator Braun of Indiana says Trump's stock level at an all-time high that the president in his Iran actions restored the U.S. deterrence factor that obviously had been lost in the Obama administration. He said the national security briefing for senators was good, as have other senators. But they get precious little attention unless they're on Hannity, quite frankly. It's amazing. By the way, you know who our special guest is on Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, Mr. Producer? For the full interview with Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton. This is a brilliant man who went to Harvard. He served in the United States military. Saw combat. He gets little hits here and there on TV and so forth. But we're going to sit down with him for an hour. Because Tom Cotton is one of the... Uh, one of the individuals who's the future, in my view, of the Republican Party and the conservative movement. It's also very solid on the issue of immigration and judges and so forth. You're going to learn a lot about him and a lot about the issues. Now, they bring him on TV now and then to do little hits on national security, but he's bigger than that. He's more important than that. But I want to talk to him at length about Iran, about the War Powers Act, about the Constitution. It's one of the smartest members of the Senate by education and experience. And he doesn't get the attention he deserves, in my humble opinion. So we'll be talking to him Sunday. You won't want to miss it on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Our new time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And it's, uh, it's our first live show of the new year. So that'll be very good, I think. What am I doing, Rich? Oh, Hillsdale College? I love Hillsdale College. I love Hillsdale College. Those of you who live in and around Washington, D.C., have you seen their Constitution Center yet? Now, of course, they're in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where they've been since 1844, promoting their mission. Before I get to that, this, this Iranian defense minister I'm seeing on TV right now, doesn't he look like that guy in the commercial? Mr. Obvious? Isn't that the guy's name? <laughs> he does. You know, Hillsdale, as the New Year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month, or taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses, or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. At no time in our nation's history 
Has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide? So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. Happy New Year from New Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I know it's like waterboarding, but here's Chris Matthews on MSLSD today, Democrat with the spittle dripping down his chin right onto his uh, loafers. Cut nine, go. And I don't think he ever grasped in killing this general that he had really targeted the heart of the, of the Iranian people. Oh, get out of here, you idiot. You haven't even been to Iran. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. The heart of the Iranian people? The Iranian people? This is a police state, a fascistic, authoritarian, theological state. The people have no say. The heart of the Iranian people? Chris Matthews, he's another Tokyo Rose. He's a, uh, a Tehran uh, Matthews. Another schmo. Go ahead. Those people in the streets out there. They're not putting, they've been put out there by bayonet point. They're out there because no, they No, many of them it. have. Many of them work for the regime. And they better get out there, otherwise they're going to lose their jobs and get punished. Tell me, Chris Matthews, and your three hiccups and a pint. Tell me, Chris Matthews, when millions of people were in the street, and they were rising up against the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, and Obama stood there for 10 days, where the hell were you in MSLSD? 1,500 people murdered in the course of the last fifth, uh, two weeks or so. Where the hell is Chris Matthews? I know I love these, these fools. They talk about Trump cozying up the dictators. Trump doesn't cozy up the dictators. He has to deal with them. These people cozy up the dictators and defend every damn one of them. Go ahead. Streets. We don't have anybody in America in the streets. There's nobody in the streets. There's not one person in the street of Washington right now demanding we go to war with Iran. There's no... The president as- doesn't demand we go to war with Iran, you ass. I remember when the Tea Party was in the streets protesting. You dismissed them, didn't you? Once a year, the March for Life, they're in the streets. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands. You ignore them too, don't you, you schmo? Boy, the propaganda's heavy. Remember Brian Williams? Is he still with us, Mr. Producer? Why is he back? He's been, what, reformed? Look at this MSNBC lineup. I mean, seriously, Sharpton, Brian Williams, Joy Reid, all these reprobates. December 16, 1998. Brian Williams, I said December 16, 1998, cut 10, go. One of the most uh, disturbing and deeply cynical days in uh, American political memory, when you have the head of the Senate saying he does not support the airstrike because he doesn't believe in the motive or the timing. Is it the height of cynicism in the 90s that we are discussing this at all? that anyone doubts the purity of a president's moment when committing troops in action militarily. Wow. 
1998. Let's see who was president. I think it was Clinton. And Brian Williams comes to his defense. Wow. Representative Pramila Jayapal. What the hell is this? Jayapal? J-A-Y-A-P-A-L. Representative Pramila Jayapal at a press briefing today. Cut 11, go. This is the result of reckless actions by President Trump of military brinksmanship. President Trump recklessly assassinated Qasem Soleimani. Shut up, you idiot. You clown. You buffoon. Nobody was assassinated, let alone recklessly. Why don't you defend the people who were slaughtered by this regime, you jerk? You hack? Pramila Jayapal? Let's move on to Jason Crow, Democrat Colorado, on the morning Schmo show. Cut 12, go. You know, I disagreed with uh, the, the administration's determination that the Revolutionary Guard Corps uh, should have been designated a terrorist organization. I disagreed, obviously, with their means. I thought that they uh, wreaked a lot of uh, Aren't you swell? You know, I disagree with the means of the SS and the Gestapo. I really did. I disagree with the means, but I really... I find it problematic and, and quite troublesome and frustrating that uh, they were they were designated a terrorist organization by this administration. Uh, you know, this Revolutionary Guard Corps, the fact that they rape, pillage, murder, and imprison people, uh, particularly college students, I, I denounce that in the strongest terms. You can tell I'm very emotional, very passionate about this. But that said, uh, by doing this, the president is wreaking havoc. He's, he's being uh, provocative. Uh, the president is escalating, or may I say, escalatory in his actions. Yes, that's what the president is. Uh, and I would know I'm Jason Crow of a Democrat Colorado. And uh, this is my view. Go ahead. There is a, a very dangerous precedent that's set in, determ- in, in uh, designating a foreign uh, state government uh, military I'm units. very concerned about the uh, legal improprieties of uh, de- uh, designating the, uh, the, the Iranian terrorist military as a terrorist organization. You know, they could do that to us, too. And uh, this moral relativism, you know, it's big in the Democrat Party. We believe these things. The, uh, they could call the U.S. military a terrorist organization. But the U.S. military is not a terrorist organization, as defined by the Geneva Conventions. And the cut force of the Republican Guard is. Go ahead. Terrorist, because, uh, you know, I could Shut up, you idiot! Democrat. James Clapper. Look, look at the guests they bring in. James Clapper. He should be in a senior citizen federal penitentiary. Or St. Elizabeth's or somewhere. And what the FISA? If they had sought a FISA application, I would have known about it. Well, you didn't. What were you, on the can? Were you constipated? Where the hell were you, Clapper? Hey. Brooke Baldwin. The future of journalists. Absolutely brilliant. Brooke Cut 13, go. The fact that he is blaming, you know... Oh, Brooke. Brooke, you're so, so dramatic. The fact that Trump is blaming the previous administration, you're not allowed to do that. Chuck Todd told us this. You don't blame the previous administration for financing and arming Iran, even though they financed and armed it. It's Trump! Hitler, Nazis, Trump, we gotta get Trump. 
don't blame the prior administration. By all means, we're the constipated news network. We know. Go ahead. The fact that he is blaming, you know, the previous administration under which you worked for providing the money for the missiles. What is with her? Providing the money for the missiles headed toward our men and women in uniform. And your response to that, James Clapper, as we throw you a, a softball over the plate for you to answer. Go ahead. Toward our men and women in uniform. Well, I, I, think, I think the actual evidence doesn't make that case. And, and it is not as though uh, we provided uh, taxpayer money to the Iranians. What we did was, uh, what the administration did was unfreeze assets that... Uh, we know that, you idiot. We're well aware of that. You shouldn't have unfrozen the assets and handed it over to the Iranians. We're well aware of that. You jerk. Go ahead. Uh, we're actually the Iranians. Uh, the weapons uh, security assistance funding for weapon systems that we were providing the Iraqis way back when. So we freed that up. And the actual evidence, intelligence evidence that I saw before I left... It didn't indicate they used much of that for the supporting their nefarious All right, for, Ladies and gentlemen, he has no idea what they used it for, but it's af- absolutely clear that when you're a regime and you're facing massive economic sanctions and your GDP is in double-digit negative territory, your economy is collapsing, you can't get your hands on currency, when you're handed $150 billion, what are you doing? You're strengthening the police state. That's what these regimes do, whether it's Stalin, whether it's Hitler, whether it's Khomeini or whatever. And we, uh, we actually, uh, when I was there, the last intelligence didn't show that they were actually using. No, no, no. What were they using the money? Infrastructure. Family leave. Oh, yeah. Climate change. That's what they were spending their money on. The new Green Deal. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, American Financing is a mortgage company for everyone. doesn't matter where you are in the home ownership process. They can help you. If you're a first-time home buyer needing down payment assistance, they have options that require as little as zero down. Hello? Zero down. If you're a first-time home buyer needing down payment assistance, as I say, they're there to help you. Maybe you're a veteran looking to use a VA loan. Oh, they're going to take care of you, too. Already own a home? Well, their salary-based mortgage consultants can help lower your rate or access cash to pay off high-interest debt, potentially saving you $1,000 or more a month, and it only takes 10 minutes to get started. Wow, that's a quick way effectively to make money. There are never any upfront fees. There's no pressure, no obligation either. At American Financing, they work for you. They're family-owned. They create a custom loan with low rates and fast closings. With rates so low right now, You should really take advantage of them. Here's the number. Ready to jot it down? 888-900-1828-888-900-1828-888-900-1828 or apply online at AmericanFinancing.net. 
American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Well, ladies and gentlemen, these Democrats were so concerned about our military and the rule of law and the Constitution and our safety. The Washington Free Beacon. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders hosting a call with pro-Tehran lobby group by Adam Credo and David Rutz. Democratic presidential contenders Warren and Sanders are slated to host a conference call with an Iranian-American advocacy group that has been accused of lobbying on Tehran's behalf. <coughs> Used to be there were, there were not Americans that that would be enough to vote against these people. And I'm sure this will be covered by MSLSD and the Constipated News Network, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, and all the rest. Along with Representatives Roe Kahana, who the hell's Roe Kahana? And Barbara Lee, two Democrats from California. Sanders and Warren are scheduled to speak Wednesday evening. By my calculation, that's now, with members of the National Iranian American Council. NIAC. The group played a central role in what former Obama National Security Advisor Ben Rose called the administration's pro-Iran deal echo chamber, spending journalists, lawmakers, and citizens. The Iranians need their people in the Oval Office. Sanders, Warren, and the rest. If any of the Democrats running for president are elected... The Iranians will have their person in the Oval Office. As a matter of fact, so will the communist Chinese, so will the fascist Russians, so will the fascist communist Cuban regime. Oh, yeah. They're all rooting against Trump. I'll be back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, Tulsi Gabbard's going to be on TV, Mr. Producer. I can't wait to hear what she has to say. Actually, I think I will. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, I hinted earlier, so let's get to this capitalism and national security. Capitalism in the civil society. We wouldn't have the largest military on the face of the earth, but for our economic system that's able to fund it develop technology that the Chinese and the Russians and others try to steal. We wouldn't be energy independent but for our oil companies. Mark, oil companies, we're supposed to aid them. Let me repeat this. We wouldn't be energy independent but for our oil companies. And I remember as a teenager, I remember OPEC, how they withhold, withheld oil, how they wreaked havoc on our economy, drove up inflation in this country, even days and odd days, in line at gas stations. Much of the nation doesn't know this because they're too young and they're not taught history. The idea back then of energy independence was unimaginable. 
Thanks to our oil companies, large and small, independent and otherwise. Thanks to our capitalist system. Entrepreneurship, creativity, productivity, capital investment, R&D. Thanks to our system, we're now energy independent. No thanks to the government, no thanks to the media, no thanks to the Democrats. Now that we are energy independent, the Democrats are attacking the oil companies and our capitalist system again. This time, you see, it's not because they're artificially holding back oil and creating shortages and driving up the price. Now, they're creating too much oil. It's too plentiful. And it's affecting our, our environment. It's causing climate change. Green gases, like carbon dioxide. And this, of course, is what the Marxists left, who call themselves progressives, are all about. Constantly changing the argument to drive the agenda. We are energy independent. That means we are a much more secure nation. That means the Arab states can't blackmail us. That means the Muslim terrorist states like Iran cannot blackmail us. That means we can provide fuel and resources to the United States military on our own. It's a big deal. And rather than celebrate it, we have Democrats who are state attorneys general bring lawsuits against these companies, claiming that they have lied to their stockholders about climate change. It's like capitalism generally. The left used to argue that it is a system, an economic system, a model that doesn't work because it doesn't create enough plenty, enough material, enough resources for the population. Today, they argue, we're 4 or 5% of the world's population. We use 25% of the resources. And again... We're causing a change in the climate because we're very profligate in the way we use our energy and our resources. Therefore, we we must regress and digress. The left will destroy you as a human being. The left will destroy your community, your neighborhood, your society. That's what they do. And we have real world examples of this. You know, the left likes to say, we're the richest country on the face of the world, but we can't provide health care to everybody. San Francisco, one of the richest cities in the world. People are defecating in the streets. People are using drugs in the streets. There are tent cities in San Francisco. Why is that? We're the richest country on the face of the earth. In Los Angeles... 80,000 people living on the streets. It's not because of the lack of resources. It's because of the left's policies. Los Angeles is being destroyed by the left. San Francisco is being destroyed by the left. 
California. Quite frankly, the most beautiful state of all the states. And look, I don't live in California. I'm just telling you the truth. Destroying California of all states. The state that gave us Reagan. Reagan couldn't win dog catcher in California today if he were alive statewide. The left's ideology is a cancer on our society. Michael Bloomberg points to California and says the nation should take take examples out of California. He's so desperate to be the nominee of the Democrat Party. Really? To be morally, culturally, and fiscally bankrupt? A one-party radical left-wing state with open borders where people are leaving? Where taxes are the highest in the land? The rest of the country should emulate what's going on in California? California should be an example of what can happen if the left takes control. Energy independence. You can thank ExxonMobil. You can thank Gulf. You can thank Shell. You can thank Chevron. You can thank hundreds, if not thousands, of small independent oil companies. You can thank capitalism. You can thank the entrepreneurship, the mindset of the American people. We're energy independent. They said we would never be energy independent. Now that we're energy independent, they are attacking fossil fuels. They're attacking pipelines. They're attacking oil companies. They want to destroy what's been created because that's what the left does. They pull down monuments. They burn books. They change the demographics. They attack law enforcement. They attack the military. They attack the notion of a nation state. They attack capitalism. The same political party that stood for slavery. The same political party that stood for a hundred years for segregation after slavery. The same political party today that defends the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran against the United States military and the President of the United States. That party That ideology. Can you imagine the cost of fuel if they get their way? Can you imagine the cost of heating your home in the winter, air conditioning your home in the summer? Can you imagine the cost of just driving an automobile? And they see no limits in their power. They say, you can't get into the bedroom. Not when we're slaughtering fetuses. That's the decision of the person doing the slaughtering. Oh. But they are in the bedroom. And they're in the bathroom. They're in your basement. They're in your attic. They're dictating all kinds of stuff all around your house. What's in your house. And they want to dictate more. I guarantee you they're going to want to dictate what kind of home you can live in. They're going to have national zoning rules. They want to dictate how many automobiles you can have. What kind of automobiles you can have. At some point. It leads to radical repression and oppression, like in China. You can't have nine children. That's not equality. Can you imagine nine children, the resources they take out of society? I'm telling you, it's coming. Hopefully, I'll be dead and gone, but it's coming. Your children and grandchildren are going to have to deal with this. Elizabeth Warren, on the morning schmo today, where she knows she will get a 
a happy reception. Cut 17, go. Climate change threatens every living thing on this planet. And what scares me is every time you go back to the scientists, they tell you two things. It's worse than we thought, and we have less time. That means we've got to be willing to do things, for example, like regulation. Uh, by 2028, no new buildings, no new houses, zero car- without a zero carbon footprint. By 2030, uh, trucks, new, uh, light-duty trucks and cars, zero carbon footprint. By 2035, all production of electricity, zero carbon footprint. We do three regulations. We can cut our carbon footprint by 70%. She is a crackpot, she is insane, and she is enormously popular among millions of left-wing kooks in this country. 2028, no new buildings, no new houses, unless there's zero carbon footprint. That's impossible. By 2030, light-duty trucks and cars, zero-carbon footprint. That's impossible. 2035, the production of electricity, zero-carbon footprint. That's impossible. I blame the United States Supreme Court in part for unleashing this. In Massachusetts versus the Environmental Protection Agency, many of you are scratching your head. What the hell are you talking about, Mark? This is where a majority of five justices, led by John Paul Stevens, who's been lionized since his passing. Five lawyers, plucked from obscurity, placed on the Supreme Court, determined that carbon dioxide is a pollutant. Actually, it was more diabolical than that. They said the EPA can determine whether carbon dioxide is a pollutant. Well... As a matter of evidentiary, factual science, carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. It's never been a pollutant. It can't be a pollutant. When you expel your breath, when you breathe out, having inhaled oxygen, you create carbon dioxide. That carbon dioxide is, if you will, oxygen to plant life. There'd be no plant life, no vegetation on the face of the earth, but for carbon dioxide. And if it wasn't for plant life, there'd be no oxygen on the face of the earth, but for plant life. You know what the Amazon needs? They talk about the Amazon forest and the jungle. It needs carbon dioxide. You know these greenhouses in New England and the Northeast and the Midwest and these cold areas of the country during the winter? They create greenhouses in order to grow tomatoes and so forth. Greenhouses with carbon dioxide. A manufactured atmosphere, if you will. We cannot live without carbon dioxide. And yet carbon dioxide represents a tiny fraction of a fraction of the atmosphere. I've given this example before. It's in Liberty and Tyranny in the chapter called Envirostatism. I didn't come up with it, but another scholar did. Consider a stadium a stadium with 10,000 seats. Carbon dioxide, those 10,000 seats of the atmosphere, makes up four seats out of the 10,000. Four. The reason they're focused on carbon dioxide is because they can rather 
sloppily measure it. The biggest element in greenhouse gases is condensation, water. But it's very difficult to measure condensation in the atmosphere. Plus, he can't stop it. He can't stop condensation. So we'll regulate carbon dioxide. And so the left on the court, the left at the EPA, the left in litigation, the left in state attorneys general's offices, the left in the federal government, have turned carbon dioxide into a pollutant. And listen to Elizabeth Warren. She is the Hugo Chavez of this election. And Bernie Sanders is the Maduro of this election. They're one's trying to outdo the other. But it's even more than that. It's even more than that. It's a human right. Cut 18, go. We also need to make environmental justice really at the heart of our climate plan. You know, for, for decades now, we have located toxic waste dumps, uh, polluting industries near black and brown communities. It has destroyed uh, value in the area and badly impacted uh, the health of families, particularly children and seniors. Tell me, People is that what's harming the inner city? Toxic waste dumps? We have toxic waste dumps all over the country, including in rural areas. We have nuclear waste dumps. None of them are in metropolitan areas, as a matter of fact. They're in rural areas, very, very rural areas. What is it about America that Elizabeth Warren likes? I don't even love likes. She looks at something in our country, and she sees evil and darkness. And she has a plan. Not a particularly intelligent plan, just more the same. She wants everyone at everyone's throats. She wants to rabble-rouse. Everything is up for grabs. Everything. There's no constant. There's no common denominator. There's nothing. Healthcare, she has a plan. She has a plan. Income, she has a plan. Wealth, she has a plan. And who is she? She's a liar who lied her way into Harvard. And why people trust these politicians with their lives, with their health, with their homes, with their cars, with their communities, I will never know. Are there stupider people than the Democrats who are running for president of the United States? No, I don't think so. Well, then by all means, run everything especially our lives. I'll be right back. Lovin. Don't think Republicans actually think they're clever when in fact they're very ignorant. So they'll play tapes of others like the President of the United States who said something 10 or 20 years ago then they'll say, see, he's, he's governing differently. And when, in fact, this president has been really mighty consistent with his views from the past. He really has. But they, they don't play video or audio of themselves and what they said 10 or 15, 20 years ago. 
And yet sometimes they'll admit that they've had a change of view. But you see, they've had a change of view, and now they're very knowledgeable and they're very righteous, very, very smart. And if you don't change your view to accommodate their view, then they sabotage you. They viciously attack you. And this is how it works. This is how it works. If Rand Paul and his ilk want to embrace the Barack Obama farm policy or the Ron Paul farm policy, that's fine. If others want to embrace what was the Bush farm policy, that's fine. But when you have the, the code pink Republicans, some in the media, some in Congress, who embrace Bernie Sanders' doctrine and Obama's doctrine, trying to project onto Trump the Bush doctrine, they're very, very dishonest and deceptive. I'll be right back. ends at liberty begins the mark levin show at 877-381-3811 well the islamo-nazi regime in tehran has something very much in common with the democrat party and the democrat party press mr producer you know what it is they all want to remove the president of the united states from office imagine that in fact, the Democrat Party press and the Democrat Party have an awful lot in common with the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. A great deal in common. Propaganda. They can give a damn about people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at the history of the press in this country. I've been through it many times now. 1,500 people murdered in Iran over the last few weeks. You won't get a four, five, six-page, full-page coverage in the New York Times about them, as you did yesterday about, well, the magnificent Iranian regime. Oh, the people who just adore it and march for it. Chris Matthews, what a slimeball. Chuck Todd. Chuck. His wildest dreams, he didn't think he'd be where he is. Now it's the nation's nightmare. But you know how we fix all this, ladies and gentlemen? We just withdraw. Just get out of Iraq. Get out of Syria. Get out of everywhere. That'll fix it, won't it? You know, we were minding our own business when we got hit on 9-11. We were minding our own business when we got hit at Pearl Harbor. And I can go all through so much of our history where we were attacked. And yet the Hate America First Code Pink Republican crowd... They write books, they make statements that are much more vicious than the Marxist left about their own country. You see, Japan only attacked us because economically we cut off their oil, writes one of them. 9-11, that was our fault. You see, we instigated that. Because we shouldn't have been in the Middle East doing what we were doing. Oh, okay. That's our fault too. They sound like the enemy. And then they pretend they're the constitutionalists. Really pretty sickening. Matter of fact, very sickening. Let's face it, most New Year's resolutions are hard to keep. Get more exercise, save more money. Well, I have a resolution that's easy to keep. Stop wasting time going to the post office and use Stamps.com instead. With Stamps.com, you can do anything you do at the post office right from your computer. 
Plus, Stamps.com gives you something you can't get at the post office. Big discounts on postage. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Now, once your mail's ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in a mailbox. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get $0.05 cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. So give yourself a resolution you can actually keep this year. Stop going to the post office and go to Stamps.com instead, right on your desk. There's no risk. And with my promo code BUNKER, you heard it, BUNKER, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. That's a trifecta. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in the word BUNKER. That's Stamps.com, promo code BUNKER. Stamps.com, promo code BUNKER. Never go to the post office again. Now, when I did that commercial years and years ago. You remember Mr. Producer? I got in trouble. I won't say why. Should I say why? We had a sound effect. Remember about the post office? You people, you, can, you folks can read between the lines. We don't do that, of course, now. That, that would be wrong. Actually, like the people at the post office. Imagine doing that day in and day out. Imagine doing that day in and day out at the post. Can you imagine, Mr. Producer? You want stamps? packaging, you need tape, I want to change my address, Uh, how do I fill out the uh, registration card, Uh, I need a a photo, I mean, same thing, day in and day out, I have to give them credit, honest to God, I don't know how they do it, I don't know how they do it, now I'm going to say something that's going to shock you, I think these people get a bum rap. You know, we always say, you know, the post office, they're always in hock. They can't pay their pensions. Billions and billions, tens of billions in hock on their pensions. Let me tell you a little story. You know why that is? The rest of the federal government doesn't have to account for its pensions. It's just part of the general operating fund. That's how they hide it. Because we'd all go broke otherwise. The agriculture department, the people who work there, their pensions are such over the decades, they can't pay for them. Energy department, educate, same thing. But when they made the post office sort of quasi-public, quasi-private, they made them to account on their books for their pensions. It's the only department or agencies, I I believe, that has to. And so it actually shows the actual state of the pensions at the post office, which is at emergency level. But it is throughout the federal government. So the poor postal workers, and I mean this honestly, they come under attack. But what about the rest of the people in the federal government, quasi-federal government or otherwise? They don't, because you don't see it. Did you know this, Mr. Producer? Mr. Producer is eating a steak sandwich. Mr. Call Screener, did you know this? It's true. So I feel bad for those people. 
Plus, they have to wear that uniform. Have you seen that uniform, Mr. Call Screener? Oh, my God. Shouldn't they update it a little bit? It's the same damn thing. They get to wear shorts sometimes, and that's what's troubling to me. Stamps.com. Let's take some calls. Are these calls still good, Mr. Producer, you think? All right. Matthew, Los Angeles, California. No, he's not there. Bill in New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. Pleasure to be on the show. I love and appreciate your intelligence. I want to talk to you about the uh, climate change hoax that the Democrats have been pushing so hard and advancing it more and more as part of their, their, you know, agenda. By the way, just as an aside, they can't tell you what the the climate's going to be 10 days from now. (laughs) I know. But they can tell you 100. And they're changing all the signs at these parks, these national. Did you see? Uh, our glacier, the Glacier National Park. Glaciers are going to be melting in uh, 2020. Now they're taking all those signs down and they're adding like 2030. Well, it's all propaganda. No My thing is is that they all know, the real scientists know that this is caused by probably the magnetic shift that's occurring now in the planet. It's, it's the ha- sun. And they're getting, they're, they're, it's getting, it's advancing now, so they're going to lose their, their claim to, uh, you know, that the uh, people can... They don't care. We can't fix the climate. We need carbon dioxide. Carbon, I mean, it's the, it's, carbon dioxide is life. I agree with you 100%. Well, if we don't have carbon dioxide, we die. Exactly. The planet becomes Mars. And, and these, uh, you know, these geniuses can't figure that out for themselves. It becomes Mars or Rhode Island. Yeah. Let them hold their breath for a little while. Because Donald wouldn't Trump's wouldn't that be breath. nice? <laughs> yes, it would be wonderful. All right, Bill. Where in New Jersey are you, Bill? I'm in Booton, New Jersey, up on the hill looking over the city. Sorry to hear that, sir. All right, take care of yourself. (laughs) Crack myself up. John, Omaha, Nebraska, the great K-Q-I-L. I can't see with my left eye. What is it? K-O-I-L. I'm sorry. K-O-I-L. K-O-I-L. Go. Hi, Mr. Levin. Um, I just wanted to mention that we've actually been at, well, Iran's been at war for the last 40 years. Don't tell anybody. I'm sorry? Don't tell anybody. Oh, well, nobody would admit it anyway. The thing about dealing with a theocratic government is when they declare a holy war against your nation, they're serious about it. That is their formal declaration of war. You know, you make a great point. Let me ask you a question. So why won't Rand Paul and Mike Lee introduce a formal declaration of war against Iran? Cowardice? I mean, they're saying that we need a declaration of war. Do they oppose a formal declaration of war? Is, is, is there real purpose? Especially Rand Paul. They undermine the capacity of the United States military to do its job. Why don't Rand Paul and Mike Lee introduce a declaration of war? If, they, if their argument is the problem is we don't have a declaration of war. Not that we're not at war, but we don't have a declaration of war. Why don't they introduce it? Well, I think their argument would would, would simply... I'll tell you why. Because they really don't believe we should be engaging with these uh, these enemies. That's why. Go ahead. All they have to do is recognize the declaration of war that was proclaimed 40 years ago, and we could resolve this thing. 
The declaration of war is not relevant to what the president did, which is what I was trying to explain. George Wash- I have George Washington and Thomas Jefferson on my side. They have nobody on their side, but they're libertarian, they're radical libertarian interpretation methods. That's all they have. And uh, you try and use Hamilton and Federalist 69, uh, but Hamilton, uh, under this situation, would be appalled. Hamilton supported the Revolutionary War, too. I mean, he would be appalled at what, what's being done with his words. I mean, as a practical matter, it's impossible to do what Rand Paul and Mike Lee are demanding. It's just impossible. It's, as a practical matter, it's impossible. And the framers were practical men. And so they created a commander-in-chief in charge of the military. They also created a Congress that had as one of its roles to declare war. Notice they said to declare war. They didn't say Congress would have a role in every military operation, did they? Did they say that in the Constitution? Not at all. Because it would be absurd. Do you think, let, let me put it to you this way, America, and you, sir. Do you think George Washington, sitting in the big chair in the Philadelphia General Assembly room, at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia during that long, hot summer, as the commander of the Revolutionary Forces, do you think, or the previous commander, the... the <coughs> Do you think he would sit there and agree to language and a constitution that would give primary authority for battlefield decisions to Congress? Do you know when he was the commander, when he was commanding our forces during the Revolutionary War, he had nothing but contempt for these continental entities? I'm just making a point. History's on our side. It's not on Rand Paul and Mike Lee's side. The Constitution's on our side. It's not on their side. Ian Rand is on their side. Frederick Hayek is on their side. But even so, they're more about economies and societies generally, not about military operations. Bill, thank you for your call, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Don't we? History, philosophy, constitution, current events. Simply Safe Home Security is like getting commercial grade enterprise level security, but for your own home. Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. There's a break in. Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. Now that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, and carbon monoxide poisoning. And you can set up your system yourself. No tools are needed. Or Simply Safe's experts can do it for you. Either way. And it's only 50 cents a day. Hello! 50 cents a day with no contracts. Go to simplysafemark.com today. That way you get the free shipping in your order plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafemark.com. Simplysafemark.com. Secure your family, your personal goods, your home now. Don't chance it any longer. 
protect yourself. SimplySafeMark.com. Remember, this Sunday, 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 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, Senator Tom Cotton, for his first full one-hour interview anywhere, ever, on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Fascinating. In fact, fantastic. I hope you'll join us. Are you enjoying the show? Do you like the new time slot? I hope so. So that will be this Sunday. If I don't mention it, nobody else will. We barely get promoted on Fox. Have you noted that, Mr. Producer? Mark, what? What? Life, liberty? Hello. Anyway, let's take a call. Jim, the Bronx, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark, how are you? Listen, well, one question. If yes. the, uh, if there's actually an impeachment trial, wouldn't uh-huh. the senators that are running for the Democrat uh, presidential primary right now, wouldn't they have to recuse themselves? Isn't that fascinating? Because you hear, that's a brilliant point, Jim. Thank you. Because your point is, they're all over the place saying, hey, the Republicans, uh, they're supposed to be impartial. And yet we have Democrats running for president, all of whom have already convicted the president. Well put, Jim. Great. Don't hang up. I'm going to give you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. All right. Remind me tomorrow, Mr. Producer. I need to sign more books, he's telling me. And we shall. Keith, Los Angeles, California, 870. The answer. The great KRLA where we are live and national. Go. Great, Mark. Uh, it's so good to talk to you. Look, I consider you my professor, so i yes, got a question. Yes. It's real quick. Yes. I don't have a lot of time uh, to go no. fully. But, uh, yes. you know, considering the fact that, uh, you know, the right of self-defense can't be taken away by a law of society, at least that's what uh, Blackstone and mm-hmm. many of the philosophers I agree with, uh, Locke, You're right. James Wilson, James Wilson, who was was very little regarded. Pennsylvania, you know. delegate, a uh, Supreme Court justice for a couple of years. He went broke. He wound up in debtor's prison, and he died. Yeah, that, but that guy was, man, he was awesome with his philosophy, and, I, and mm-hmm. I loved his commentary. And my question would be, if the law of nations, which is in that uh, Article 1, Section 8, uh, is properly so-called, he called it the uh, laws of nature applied to nations, then if the law, if that's so, then the right of self-defense, which is the first law of nature, is what Donald Trump, whether he did it regarding that or not, he did it. You know what? Uh, You're another great caller. It's another great point. Another great point. Keith in Los Angeles is saying, oh, well, well, let's go back to first principles. Let's look at the Declaration of Independence and even before that. The right to self-defense is an absolute human right, and the right for a society to defend itself is an absolute human right. Isn't that what you're saying, Keith? Yes, sir, absolutely, Professor. So if, <laughs> so if an Islamo-Nazi regime is trying to harm us or harm our troops or harm our society, we have the absolute right to defend ourselves. That's right, just like Israel. So I Keith, hope the president's listening. Very well put. Tell you what, Keith in L.A., Jim in the Bronx. Beautiful way to end the program. I had the smartest listeners. You are the smartest people. Let's 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 admit it. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And again, we want to salute the commander in chief and thank him for showing bold leadership. Where all the pygmies and all the midgets and all the dwarfs won't go. 
I'll be right back tomorrow.